Holy Spirit, come and help us to understand what you say to us in the Bible and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to welcome those of you in the narthex. Great to have you with us. I want to start with a question. If a genie were to appear and he said he would grant you one wish, what would you wish for? And no asking for extra wishes. That's cheating. (laughs) Or better yet, if Jesus were here, which he is, and he asked you the question, he asked the blind man in the story we just read, what do you want me to do for you? How would you answer it? At first you might might say something like, well, Lord, help me with my career or help me be well thought of by other people. My daughter keeps promising to give me an automatic sermon writing machine, but I haven't got it yet, so I'd ask for that. Some of you might ask for a health problem to go away or get out of a financial mess. Maybe you'd ask that God would fix your spouse because clearly they need it, right? But then you might think, wait a minute, I've got this one chance to ask God in human form what I really want, so is that what I really want? And if you dug a little deeper, you might ask for something different. Maybe deep and satisfying friendships, or a sense of significance and purpose. Or maybe you'd say, Lord, keep me from doing this sin I keep sinning, or this shame I keep feeling. And then if you kept digging down still deeper, maybe what you would end up asking for, the bottom line is a sense that Jesus is always with you, that you would know that for sure. Or beach ball joy, you know, the kind that doesn't stay down no matter what the circumstances, just keeps bouncing back up. If you dug all the way down to the core of your heart, the deepest, truest part of who you really are, what do you want more than anything else? And you might want to be careful how you answer that because our first instinct may not be the thing that we really want way deep down inside. Not sure we always know what we really want. Pastor John Ortberg talks about a time his six-year-old daughter saw a Band-Aid on his arm and she asked what it was for. And he said he had some blood tests done for a life insurance policy. She said, well, what's life insurance? And, and he said, well, if I die, you'll get $250,000. And she got real serious, as he hoped she would at the thought of his death. But, but then her eyes got really wide again, and she said, a piece? <laughs> well, that's probably not what she really wants. But at first, the thought is kind of exciting, isn't it? We don't always know what we really want, but we sure think we do, don't we? It's interesting to me that just a few minutes before Jesus asks the blind man, what do you want? He asks two of his disciples the exact same question, and they're pretty sure they know what they want, or at least they think they do. It's one of my favorite dumb disciple stories. It goes like this. It says, then James and John came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. You ever pray that way? I sometimes do. When I was in college, I remember going to a really nice French restaurant with a group of friends, and one of the guys wanted to impress the women, so when he called for the waiter, he snapped his fingers and said, Garcon! Garcon, you fool! Sometimes that's how I pray. Jesus, I have a need. Step to it. Or, since it's Mother's Day, sometimes we treat Jesus like our mother, right? I, I want something. Give it to me. So when Jesus asked them, what do you want me to do for you? Well, they answer. They say, let one of us sit on your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. In other words, Jesus make us vice messiahs. And Jesus says, you do not want that. Because I'm going to have to get crucified. Can you handle that? And they kind of go, oh, maybe not. Let's on second thought, we'll reevaluate that. They thought they knew. 
what they wanted, but they didn't. But that question that Jesus asks, both them and the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? That is a question that can change our lives if we take it seriously. For starters, it shows that we can ask God anything. When it comes to prayer, I don't know if you do this, but I do. Sometimes do you ever think, well, I don't want to bother God with my little old prayer request. I mean, I'm sure that he's busy with the whole Mideast thing and all. Or maybe you think, well, if he already knows what he's going to do, then why should I bother asking? Or how about, well, I shouldn't pray for myself. I should pray for other people or world peace or something really important. But I think the point of Jesus' question is he wants to hear what's on our hearts because it's about relationship with him. Now, he may not give us everything we ask because it might not be what's best for us. Everyone who has kids knows this, this principle, right? I, I remember when my daughter was younger, she asked for candy before dinner, and I said no because it wasn't good for her. And her response was, but I want it. You know, as if that settled the question, right? Oh, I didn't realize you wanted it. In that case, here. Again, sometimes that's how, that's how I pray to God. You know, but I want it, Lord. Give it to me. But God knows what is best for us. Now, I know that raises the question, well, what about when we pray for really good things, the cancer to be cured and something like that, but it doesn't happen? That is a great question. And I've talked about that before. I can't fully answer it here. Suffice it to say, though, that even then, God brings good out of hard times. And if you're in a situation like that, there'll be people after the service to pray for you. We want to help in whatever way we can. The main point, though, is what we ask for may be good, but it may not be our best. The only thing that lasts forever is our character, so that's what God is most focused on. But he still wants to hear what's on our heart. So one of the ways I pray is the way Jesus prayed the night before he was crucified. He said, Lord, if it's possible, take this away from me, but your will be done, not mine. In other words, God, here's what I want, but you know better, you know best, so if this is not your best, Show me. I have a friend who worked at a church on Capitol Hill in Seattle. And a couple of summers ago, they, they put a prayer booth up during the Capitol Hill street fair. It was a hot summer day. They, they handed out cold water and snacks and they offered prayer. Well, this one woman who looked very Capitol Hill-like. <laughs> you know what I mean. Had never been to church before in her life. And, and she came up and she said, well, can I get prayed for? And my friend said, sure, what do you want? And she said, well, I want it to rain. And my friend said, well, where? And she said, wherever it needs it. So my friend prayed for rain and said, said amen. And she said, that's it? That's all I get? There's not more? And my friend said, well, yeah, I could pray some more. You could ask God for anything you want. And she said, well, how do I do that? And he said, well, you just ask. You just tell him what's on your heart. And she said, well, I want a helicopter. And then she said, oh, I said that out loud. Oh, no. My friend said, that's okay, but, you know, be careful what you ask for because you might get it. Where would you park a helicopter? <laughs> well, the next day, what do you know? It rained, just like she asked for. Now, producing rain in Seattle is not a miracle. <laughs> right? But it was summer, and it wasn't in the forecast. So if your picnic got ruined that day, it's my friend's fault. Now, I'm not sure this woman was serious about prayer. I rather think she was trying to give my friend a hard time. But he took her seriously. And so does God when we ask him for the things that are on our hearts. Now, did God make it rain because she asked? I don't know. Maybe. 
But even if he did, it, it wasn't just to make it rain. It was to answer a deep longing that she may didn't even know she had deep in her heart. And that is to know there's a God out there who loves her and who wants to talk to her and wants to hear what's on her heart. We can ask anything because what he wants most is relationship with us. The second thing this question shows us that can change our lives is Jesus helps us discover what we really want way deep inside because we don't always know. Last summer, my son saw a toy helicopter in the mall that he wanted, and we pointed out that it would cost him all the money that he had and that it looked kind of flimsy and probably wouldn't work as well as he thought it would. But he insisted, and it was his money, so we said, okay, and he bought it. So apparently he got the helicopter the Capitol Hill lady wanted. (laughs) Sure enough, it didn't fly when we got it home. It sputtered for around for a minute or two and then crashed, and he got mad at the helicopter, and he got mad at me and my wife, said something to the effect of, you are the worst parents ever. Worst parents ever. Quite an accomplishment, don't you think? (laughs) So we've got that going for us, which is nice. Finally, he sold it to his sister for a profit. (laughs) Sneaky. He thought he wanted it, but he discovered that he didn't. I wonder if the blind man that Jesus heals in this story had similar regrets years down the road. Maybe ten years down the road. He thought something like, I asked Jesus for my sight and he gave it to me and I'm grateful. But I wonder, was there a deeper healing, a deeper desire that could have been met? My marriage is a mess because I can't seem to get along with my wife. Or I'm lonely and don't seem to have deep friendships. Or I wonder what my purpose is and does it really matter that I'm here or or not? I wonder if there was something deeper that I wanted, even more than my sight. I'm not sure we always know what we want, really. I think one of the reasons that we're never satisfied is we spend all of our time and energy on things that we don't really, really want deep down, and so they don't satisfy. We chase material things, thinking they'll make us feel secure, experiences to give us excitement that doesn't last. We chase prestige and reputation, hoping that will make us feel good about ourselves, and none of it sticks. My wife one time was meeting with a friend in the park, and the friend said, Oh, look up in the tree, it's a bluebird. And the friend said, Oh, isn't that nice? It's the bluebird of happiness. And then she looked closer and said, Oh, wait, no, never mind, it's just some garbage. That's a metaphor. The bluebird of happiness sometimes turns out to be trash. The thing we think we want so badly, we actually don't really want. So through prayer, through what friends say to us, simply through experiences in life, Jesus helps us discover our deepest desires. I know a man whose father continually shamed him when he was growing up. Said things like, you're not the son that I'd always hoped for. You're a mama's boy. You don't measure up. Stuff like that. As a result, this man worked really hard to get, re- to get really successful in his career, get a good-looking wife, get a lot of money, and he got all of those things. And he was grateful to God for them. But he still wasn't satisfied. Finally, through a lot of prayer, through what friends asking him some really good questions, through just the experiences he had in life, this man told me that he finally figured out that what he's really wanted all along, in his words, is to know what it means to be a man and feel secure in his masculinity. And everything else was just a substitute. He was trying to prove something to someone, mostly to dad. Jesus helped him figure out what he really wanted way deep inside. Which brings me to the last way that I think this question can change our life. And that is Jesus always meets our deepest desires. 
John Stott says that, a scholar named John Stott says that the three deepest longings of the human heart are for transcendence, that is, connection to something beyond ourselves, to God. Community, that is, connection to others, and significance, a sense that we matter. Transcendence, community, significance. Instead, we end up with fear, envy, and loneliness. But Jesus is eager to give us our deepest desires, way deep in our hearts that we maybe don't even know that we have. Which is good, because sometimes we get focused on all the wrong things, we get focused on things that don't ultimately matter, and that we don't actually really want way deep inside. Last week, I I gave you some examples of this. I talked about some neighbors who were mad at each other because someone planted a bush in the wrong spot. Now, nobody wants to be that way. Nobody really wants to be focused on trivial stuff that doesn't matter. You know, we just don't know how to stop ourselves. Pastor Tony Campolo tells a story about a time when a man said to him after church, Pastor, you had three grammatical errors in your sermon. Or in your prayer, sorry, in your prayer. And Campolo said, doesn't matter, I wasn't talking to you anyway. (laughs) Pastors love that story. Just as an aside, it reminds me of Winston Churchill's comment on grammar when he said, ending a sentence with a preposition is something up with which I will not put. (laughs) Nobody wants to obsess about stuff that ultimately doesn't matter. Nobody wants to be mean and grouchy. Nobody wants to be striving to get material things that don't satisfy or continuing behaviors that are destructive. Nobody wants to be that way. We just don't know how to stop. Back in the 90s, there used to be a commercial that showed someone who'd fallen down. And they pressed a button that alerted 911, and they said, help, I've fallen and I can't get up, remember? But it became something of a joke because it was so badly acted. But, but it, it made a good theological point. Right? We get ourselves trapped in things we don't know how to get out of. You know, help, I'm complaining about silly stuff and I can't shut up. Right? Help, I'm trapped in sin and I can't stop. Help, I've got everything I want, but life seems small and dull and boring. Won't someone please rescue me from me? That is a prayer Jesus will always answer. By giving us closeness with him through the power of his Holy Spirit. By putting us in a community where we can find closeness with others. And then he meets one of our deepest desires. That is for significance. And he does that by inviting us to partner with him in his rescue operation to this planet. The story of the blind man does not end when he gets his sight back. It ends by saying that he follows Jesus on the way into all kinds of adventures, including getting to see Jesus raised from the dead and getting to be a part of making all things new, which meets our deep desire for significance, to know that it matters that we're here, to know that we're not just lumps of carbon that popped up and then disappeared after 80 years or so, but that we have significance. It is one of our deepest desires. And Jesus meets it. A woman in our congregation sent me an email about how all through the month of December, her husband kept asking her, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? And she didn't know, couldn't think of anything. Well, then she saw a story in the Seattle Times about a woman named Judy Day, who was 66 years old and trying to care for her great-grandson named Caleb. Well, since she retired as a nurse's assistant, Judy lives on a fixed income, and she'd been living on just $600 since the month of October. Her granddaughter used to live with her and help with the rent, but, but she ran away after Caleb was born, so now Judy was struggling to handle it all alone. Well, the woman from our church was reading this story in the newspaper when she got one of those thoughts that she just knew was from the Holy Spirit, and it said, this one is for you. It was a personalized invitation from Jesus. 
So she took the newspaper to her husband and said, Honey, I know what I want for Christmas. I want to pay this woman's rent and utilities for a year. Now, I don't know if that was the scope of gift her husband was thinking about, you know. He might have been thinking about a bottle of perfume or something, but really, how are you going to argue with that, right? So they sent the funds to a bank, which is dispersing them on a monthly basis. Well, when this woman from our church sent me the email, she'd just gotten off the phone with Judy. Turns out Judy had been praying for months that God would help her, but she didn't know where the help was going to come from. They ended up talking for a long time, telling each other their stories, crying together. And this woman's comment to me was, see the depth of God's love. He cares even for the sparrow that falls. When her husband asked, this woman didn't know what she really wanted, like a lot of us. But then the God of the universe personally spoke to her, tapped her on the shoulder, giving her connection with him. And he said, this one is for you and invited her to be part of making all things new. And in the process, she made a new friend named Judy. And Judy discovered that she was not alone and that the God of the universe had heard her cries for help. Transcendence, community, significance. It's what we want more than anything else, whether we know it or not, and Jesus gives it to us. So this week, will you ask Jesus, show me what I really want, Lord, because I don't really know. And then give me closeness with you and with others. And then, Lord... Give me an opportunity. Show me an opportunity this week, a personalized invitation to partner with you in redeeming redeeming the world. Say to me, this one is for you. That may be in your office, your home, your neighborhood. You could sign up for a four-hour shift for the service day in August. Show Jesus to our community by helping a teacher or helping someone deal with a house that they can no longer take care of. Or you could volunteer to, to be a mentor to our youth. This is Senior Sunday, as you know. And do you know that some of them have joined together to pray for mentors? That's how badly they want them. Do you realize how significant that is? I mean, I'm from the baby boomer generation, right? We're the generation that said never trust anyone over 30, though we've adjusted that over the years. (laughs) Now it's never trust anyone over 95. (laughs) But this generation wants you in their lives. In a minute, the choir is going to sing a song called It Takes a Village, which is not a political statement. We don't do that here. We talk about Jesus. Originally, it was an African proverb that says our youth need a lot of people in their lives, starting with a good mom and dad, to be sure, but they also need teachers and mentors and pastors and all kinds of people. And they're asking you to be those people. Personally, I think this is a great invitation. This is what changed my life for the better and forever. As you know, I told God I never wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to be a professor. And look where that got me. And it all started when I volunteered to mentor some college guys, which led to a series of events that got me here. Now, I didn't think I was making a career move at the time, but I was. And I couldn't be happier. I've never been closer to God, transcendence. I've never had better friends, community. And I feel like I'm part of something significant. And you all have changed my life. I know when I showed up, I wasn't what you expected. And when you could have said, ah, this guy has no experience, what dumb committee made this decision, you did the opposite. You said, he doesn't know what he's doing. This is great. (laughs) My point, I told God what I wanted, and he overruled me, and I'm glad. Turns out God knew my heart better than I did. And God knows your heart better than you do. So what do you want? What do you really want? Do you know? 
Jesus is asking, what do you want me to do for you? What's your answer? Lord, what we know we want, even if we don't know it, connection with you, connection with others, and significance. Jesus, lead us into that, and we'll be grateful people. In your name, amen.